Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hey everyone, this is Gabe. Uh, most of our staff is still out for the holiday break, uh, so you got me today. I thought I'd give you a rundown of what took place through the end of December as we were facing down two unconstitu- unconstitutional abortion bans here in Ohio. With both the abortion method ban and the six-week abortion ban on John Kasich's desk, he had to make a decision as to what he was going to do with these bills. Uh, Since it's also the last week of his uh, term as governor, he was holding a luncheon at uh, uh, an event downtown uh, that we were able to get tickets to, uh, and we brought medical students to approach the microphone for the audience Q&A. So here's a question from a medical student to Governor Kasich on what he was going to do with these abortion bans. So listen in. The laws that are currently out that um, attack women's health care and given the importance of the medical community to the Ohio economy, um, are you concerned at all that the latest abortion bans will hurt the economy? Well, we have a number of things that are being offered which I'll have something to say about you know, within the next 24 hours. Um, but I'm pro-life, and I have exceptions to that. Okay, so Kasich starts off, first off, uh, with a lie. He says that he has exceptions to his pro-life record. The exceptions he's referring to are exceptions for rape, incest, and to protect the health of the women who are seeking abortion care. Kasich has said multiple times that he wants these exceptions put into bills, but he's never actually done anything to enforce that. He's repeatedly signed bills that lack abortion exceptions for rape or incest. Um, And we've never seen anybody from the governor's office come forward to the legislature when they're deliberating these bills to say, hey, you need to add these in. Multiple times in each bill, Democrats offer amendments to add exceptions for rape or incest. Republicans across the board reject these amendments. So Kasich saying that he has uh, a need for exceptions is a lie. And, um, you know, in terms of women's health, what's more important than that, you know? And uh, I saw the court just ruled that states can't cut off funding for Planned Parenthood. Again, Kasich's completely talking out both sides of his mouth here. He's kind of praising that courts can't, uh, courts are protecting Planned Parenthood. Well, one of the many cases pending right now about where courts need to protect Planned Parenthood is because John Kasich defunded Planned Parenthood twice. And he's talking about Medicaid reimbursement, which is not the form of uh, defunding that they did here in Ohio, but they did something very similar, blocking Planned Parenthood from accessing funds uh, that would help provide for preventive health services, including infertility treatments, healthy moms, healthy babies, infant mortality reduction, HIV testing, breast and cervical cancer screening, uh, sex education for at-risk youth. All of these terrific family planning programs, John Kasich made sure that Planned Parenthood would not have access to state funds for these. So 
again, he's painting a much rosier picture than what his actual record is. But we never cut, we have very robust funding for women's health. It's really, really critical. And so, um, you know, I mean, the states are laboratories of democracy and I just think, you, and that's what it is. So you can go and live wherever you want to. Uh, I think that that issue, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, is moving in the direction of the earliest the better and not the latest. Now, the heartbeat bill is another question. And the first time I saw it, I vetoed it, okay? so. I, I thought it would be probably ruled unconstitutional, and I, I, it was not something that I supported. It didn't take care of, of the problem of rape, incest, and life of the mother. I'll be making my final decision on that bill, not tonight, but tomorrow. And, um, but we're gonna con we should continue to fund women's health. Part of the reason why I expanded Medicaid was to do just that. But I think we're a progressive state. We're always looking forward. We've got some of the great, the best healthcare, uh, you know, across our state, and I think it's a great place for physicians. Okay, so Kasich ends up saying that he's not going to tell people in advance what he's going to sign, what he's going to veto. There's no transparency offered from his office. Um, 36 hours after this event, however, we found out that he did indeed uh, sign the abortion method ban that's a ban on the safest and most common procedure used in second trimester abortions. Uh, there's no exception in the bill for rape, no exception for incest, and an incredibly narrow um, exception to protect the health of the woman. And it's so narrow, in fact, that it ties the hands of doctors who could act early to take the best uh, practice to save that woman's health. That's not an option that's in this bill. So he signed this terrible bill. At the same time as he signed this bill, he also vetoed the six-week ban. Uh, we've seen this from him two years prior. This is the exact same thing he did in 2016. He vetoed the heartbeat bill and got national headlines for it, but at the exact same time signed into law a 20-week abortion ban. Again, no exceptions for rape, incest, uh, or to protect the health of the woman. Um, and when they asked him a month later, hey, why did you sign that one bill? Or, you know, why did you veto the six-week ban? He said, well, I needed to see exceptions for rape or incest in this bill. Well, they weren't in the bill that he signed. And so for that being his rationale for vetoing that bill, it doesn't make sense. That was in 2016. In 2018, he signed one bill vetoed the other. They asked him why. He said it's because this bill that he vetoed was unconstitutional. Both bills that he was considering were unconstitutional. The bill he signed into law is equally unconstitutional. This is a pre-viability attack on abortion rights that's unconstitutional according to very clear guidance in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Both of these bills were unconstitutional. So we see complete hypocrisy from John Kasich both in 2016 and here in December 2018. So with the veto of the six-week ban, uh, the bill is not completely dead at that point. It goes then back to the legislature, uh, and where they passed it initially to his desk with a simple majority, they have the opportunity to override that veto uh, to say, no, no, John, even though you vetoed this, we're going to force it into law. 
they need a three-fifths majority in both chambers to pass this bill into law overriding the governor's veto. Three-fifths majority in the Ohio House is 60 votes, in the Ohio Senate is 20 votes. It got 60 votes in the House the first time they passed it, so they know that they've got enough votes if they hold on to every single person. And critically, they get them to come back to the State House between Christmas and New Year's, when most legislators had previously scheduled vacations. So it's going to be down to the line in the Ohio House, and they're not quite sure that they've got the votes in the Ohio Senate. The bill, because it's a House bill, starts in the Ohio House, and so we pick up uh, our video uh, of Amelia Sykes, Representative Sykes, starting off the debate against the six-week abortion ban veto override. Question is, shall substitute House Bill 258 pass, notwithstanding the objections of the governor? The chair recognizes Representative Sykes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I'm going to continue my streak of bipartisanship and agree with the governor's veto um, on House Bill 258. Um, it is a historic day, but it is not one in which we should be voting to maintain this as law or to allow this to be law in the state of Ohio. This will be the most extreme anti-woman uh, anti bill, um, anti-choice bill that this country will see. We want to be a leader in a lot of things. This is not one of those things I think the state of Ohio should be leading in. We are setting ourselves up for a very long, an arduous led, uh, judicial process with all of these challenges that we will see through the courts. It is an unnecessary ban. Uh, we do not need to do this. I am very disappointed that we even have to be here in order to consider this override to make it very challenging for women here in the state of Ohio. I think about the women in my family and what they want from us here in this legislature, and this is a piece of legislation that they do not want. They want ways to take care of their families. They want ways to make a heart a living. They want ways, they want us to do things that make it easier on them in the state of Ohio, and quite frankly, this bill will make it much more challenging, much more difficult, uh, and we just should not go down this path. So I urge all of my colleagues to uh, vote no on this. Uh, we do not need this in the state of Ohio. This is the most extreme piece of legislation in the country. There are no exceptions for, for the health of mothers. And quite frankly, we just, I, I just can't say it enough. This is just quite a very sad day in the state of Ohio. And I urge every last one of you all to vote no. That was Representative Amelia Sykes. She did a terrific job, always a solid supporter of ours. Uh, we can definitely count on Representative Sykes uh, to give a great speech uh, illustrating exactly why these abortion bans are unconstitutional, are cruel and immoral, are terrible healthcare restrictions that affect Ohioans seeking care. Uh, next, we heard Representative Richard Brown from Canal Winchester, a Democrat, District 20. We've never heard him on the floor. He gave a terrific speech specifically talking about how Ohio would be passing an unconstitutional abortion ban. Let's listen in. Question is, shall the substitute House Bill 258 pass notwithstanding the objections of the governor? The chair recognizes Representative Brown. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I do not rise often in this body and when I do, it's because I feel it's very important. House Bill 258 is flatly unconstitutional. As an attorney for 36 years, my opposition to this bill is grounded in legal principle, principles that underlie Roe v. Wade, which has been the settled law of this land for 45 years. 
It has survived attack after attack because it is underlined by those sound constitutional principles. Although the Constitution does not explicitly mention a personal right of privacy, a long line of Supreme Court decisions dating back to 1891 have recognized the right of personal privacy or a guarantee of certain areas or zones of privacy does exist under our Constitution. Over the decades, the Supreme Court of the United States has made clear that a fundamental personal right is included in the guarantees of personal privacy, with those rights firmly grounded and rooted in the principles set forth in and underlying the first, fourth, fifth, ninth, and fourteenth amendments of the Constitution. The cases to which I referred made clear that fundamental personal rights extend to activities related to marriage, procreation, contraception, and under Roe, abortion decisions. So the court in Roe v. Wade extended the guarantee of personal privacy to a fundamental personal right, the right to decide whether to terminate a pregnancy. The right of privacy, whether founded in the 14th Amendment's concept of personal liberty and restrictions upon state actions, or in the Ninth Amendment's reservation of unenumerated rights to the people, is broad enough, according to the court in Roe, to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. This is settled law of our land and has been for 45 years. The constitutional right of personal privacy includes the abortion decision. The right is not unqualified or unlimited. The abortion decision and its effectuation must be left to the medical judgment of the woman in concert with her physician for the stage of pregnancy prior to viability or in effect the first trimester of pregnancy. After that, the state's interest is more uh, compelling with regard to regulation or getting involved in the decision. Because the heartbeat bill that the governor vetoed, and which veto I support, would effectively ban abortions in the first trimester, it is flatly unconstitutional. It violates a pregnant woman's personal right of privacy with regard to a fundamental right, the right, her right, to make a decision whether or not to terminate the pregnancy. I do not believe this body should be engaged in an exercise of legislative futility, which is what this is, because notwithstanding the recent changes on the United States Supreme Court, it is my opinion that ultimately, if this issue gets to the court, Roe v. Wade will be affirmed because court, the court does not regularly, routinely override 45 years of common law precedent. I support the governor's veto. So that was Representative Richard Brown, Canal Winchester. Uh, the first time we've ever heard him speak on abortion restrictions from the floor. Did a terrific job. One of our great champions in the House, and we're thrilled she's moving over to the Ohio Senate, is Senator Teresa Fetter, uh, a very solid supporter of reproductive rights here in Ohio. She spoke. Question is, shall substitute Senate substitute House Bill 258 pass, notwithstanding the objections of the governor? Chair recognizes Representative Fetter. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I want to um, support the governor's veto, and I want to support the governor's veto because Ohio should not be leading this charge against women and their decision to choose. And the exceptions are not there. The exceptions are not there for rape and incest. And you don't know the horror that you are going to 
give to the women of Ohio just for the challenge of an unconstitutional bill going up the food chain. This is pure politics. It is not something that Ohioans support. So I urge your support for the governor's veto. In addition to Senator Fetter, we also heard Senator-elect Fetter. Uh, we heard from Senator-elect Nikki Antonio, Representative Antonio from Lakewood, uh, another amazing supporter of ours. She's moving from the House to the Senate here in January. Uh, she gave a speech against the six-week abortion ban. Question is, shall substitute House Bill 258 pass, notwithstanding the objections of the governor? The chair recognizes Representative Antonio. Speaker. I rise in support, um, words that I don't often hear myself even say, in support of the governor and his veto today, um, because for all the reasons that my colleagues have stated, and I think for all of us, it's important to remember, uh, a few weeks ago when we debated this bill, um, there were buttons that many people were wearing. It said, uh, not a doctor. Uh, many of my colleagues here in the House had those buttons on. Um, we wore them because, to remind ourselves that while we were legislators, while we um, pride ourselves in trying to be as educated as possible about the issues that we vote on, when all is said and done, our expertise should be in public policy, not in medical practices. And this is a medical procedure that would be denied we cannot walk in the shoes of women who may choose to have an abortion. We cannot walk in the shoes of families who may choose, because of this legislation, not to go for prenatal care, not to find out whether or not they are pregnant. Um, unintended consequences can happen because of this legislation. Things that we can't even know about. And it will be on this body and this decision going down the road that those unintended consequences for individuals, real people, real families may have been decided today. I urge support of the governor's veto. Thank you. And then the last speaker on this uh, from Akron, we heard Representative Tavia Golonsky. Uh, she's a freshman representative uh, brand new during this legislative session, uh, gave uh, the closing remarks from the pro-choice side uh, against six-week abortion ban. Question is, shall the substitute House Bill 258 pass notwithstanding the objection of the governor? The chair recognizes Representative Golonsky. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise in support, bipartisan support, of uh, doing what the governor did in vetoing I want to announce a new day in Ohio where we can welcome economic prosperity, which means more people arriving in Ohio, staying here, and choosing to make their families here. A vote for this bill is encouragement for people not to want to come and live in Ohio. There is no situation where the state should be involved in medical decisions, no matter where you stand on this issue. This is wrong for Ohio. Still talking economics in this bill, 
Do you know the tens of thousands of millions of dollars that will be charged for this bill to be fought up the chain? There will be people disagreeing with this bill and disagreeing with this law. And this will be tens of thousands of millions of dollars out of taxpayers' pockets. And so while you choose, again, against SNAP benefits for those in certain communities, making it harder on Ohioans to just eke out a living, I encourage you to think of the economics and what kind of devaluing of humans this law would actually place. I urge a no vote. Thank you. And then the Ohio House voted. They needed uh, 60 votes. They got exactly 60 votes. That's three-fifths of the legislative body that's enough to override the veto in that chamber. Then the bill goes to the Ohio Senate. The Senate needs three-fifths also. Of the 33 senators, three-fifths is 20 senators. Uh, the bill got to the floor, and we expected some debate. There was no debate. They went straight for a vote, and here's how it sounded. Mr. President, I am directed to inform that the, the, the governor of Ohio, having returned to the House of Representatives with his objection, substitute House Bill 258, entitled an act to amend sections of the revised code to generally prohibit an abortion of an unborn human individual with a detachable heartbeat and to create the Legislative Committee on Adoption, Promotion, and Support. The House proceeded to reconsider the act, which the governor objected. The act, having received the acquired constitutional majority, passed notwithstanding the objections of the governor. I'm directed by the House to communicate a copy of said act, the message of the governor with his objections, and the proceedings of the House thereon to the Senate. The question is, shall the bill pass and become law notwithstanding the objections of the governor? The clerk will the clerk will call the roll. Bacon. Meagle? Brown? Burke? Coley? Dolan? Eklund? Gardner? Hackett? Hill? Hoagland? Yes. Hottinger? Yes. Huffman? Yes. Jordan? Kunze? LaRose? Laner? Manning? McCauley? Yes. Olslager? Peterson? Yes. Chivoni? Yes. Skindle? No. Sykes? No. Tavares? Terhar? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Eaker? Yes. Williams? Wilson? Yes. Yuko? No. Abhoff? Yes. With 19, with 19 yeas and 13 nays, the bill does not become law, notwithstanding the objections of the governor. The chair recognizes Senator Manning for a motion. They got 19 yes votes. They needed 20. The override does not happen. The veto stands. The bill does not go into law. Uh, the one notable Republican vote that everyone thought was going to be a yes and became a no uh, was Bill Beagle. Um, it's worth noting here that he's been a 
uh, an anti-abortion legislator his entire time in the legislature. He has an F rating from NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Um, we don't know exactly why he voted against this bill. He was interviewed afterwards and said that he was supporting Governor Kasich and felt that it did not have enough of a rationale uh, to overturn the veto, not enough of an argument made by the bill's sponsors. Uh, we also know that here Friday, January 4th, just this morning, we saw a co-sponsor request. So in this new General Assembly in 2019, the six-week abortion ban is being reintroduced. This will be its fifth legislative session. We are still fighting this fight. You can find more information on how to get involved at ProChoiceOhio.org. Reach out to us through Twitter, ProChoiceOH. Find us on Facebook. Uh, we definitely need volunteers, people who are interested in going to the state house, showing support for reproductive rights. There are many ways to get involved uh, and continue listening to this podcast. We'll be back with the rest of our staff next week, and I'll see you guys then. Bye.